And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Up next, cover to cover with cover to cover open book. Talk about an event that was very exciting to me. It's actually a series of films at Pacific Film Archive. It's the African Film Festival. Every year they have these screenings of films, sort of the latest and most interesting films that come from Africa. And I've been quite intrigued by the range of films and the diversity in topics and how they work. And I thought it would be useful to think about the films and talk about them. So with me to talk about this event is Kathy Garretts, who's the film curator at Pacific Film Archive. Welcome to KPFA. Thank you, Raina. It's nice to be here. So this is a program that you present, but it's connected to, uh, we're not the only ones who get to see the screenings. How does it work in terms of the selection process and uh, where the films wind up going? Well, um, it's a project of the African Film Festival, which is centered in uh, New York. Uh, there's a wonderful curator there, Mahan Bonetti, who puts together um, a festival that takes place in New York that is larger. And then out of that, uh, she makes the selection, as you said, that's incredibly diverse from all all over the African continent. And it has to be ones that she's able to negotiate to have them on a tour. So we always take a, a large selection of that tour. And then um, here at PFA, we also add to it because a number of films will have, say, gotten distribution or be in the uh, U.S. for another reason. And we'll add those in as well to have just this opportunity to really put forward as big a large a selection as we can of interesting new works. Um, and then in terms of uh, what Mahan Bonetti does is she reaches out to largely cultural centers, um, museums, and schools uh, to take the tour. That's so interesting. Now, I wanted to talk about some of the films because some really struck me. The film that I was kind of most surprised by was Herafa, uh, which is a uh, a film that's actually animated and it tells a story of how the first giraffe made it from uh, Africa to France and uh, it, w it was very intriguing. Part of the thing that I liked about it was that it tells the story of these kids um, and that the story is being told by a griot in a village. And so he's telling the story using like stick figures, little doll figures, to tell the story to the kids. So there's this sense of that this is a story that has happened over time and that he's going to be explaining it both to the kids but also to us, the audience. So there's a there's kind of a deconstructionist kind of quality to it. Uh, do, have you seen that film? Yeah, I have. Um, actually, that particular structure that you were describing of having a storyteller is one that is um, used many times in African films. Um, there's a kind of a corner of African filmmaking that deals with myths and legends um, and draws on like the griot or the storyteller, dance, music, etc. 
Um, and so that structure of having the story be told to the next generation, the need to pass on a history or those particular tales, um, is one that we see in a number of, uh, see repeatedly in African films. Uh, but as you said, this one uh, is really wonderful because um, it's a children's film, but he's able to, the two directors are able to talk about some pretty amazing issues. So like the young boy, the Sudanese boy who's the center of the tale the griot tells, um, is, uh, has been taken by a slave trader at one point. He escapes from slavery. So uh, the story, while delightful and wonderful in the sense of an adventure of going from Africa to France with a giraffe, um, is just, you know, full full of um, really wondrous details. There's also these uh, darker sides of African history that are woven into the tale. Yes, and people keep on finding each other. So uh, that there's a way where the enemies, <laughs> you know, that one has to confront one's enemies over and over again. And that what happens for this little boy is that he's persevering because he's made a promise to someone. I mean, the film starts with that his village has just burned down and that he thought at first that his father, who was a warrior, would save them all. But, of course... Um, he's probably gone. So that there's some way where this boy is having to start filling in a different kind of role, even though he's very, very young. Yeah, that that that's true. And um, as you say, there's um, a series of promises. He makes a promise to uh, even to a giraffe, <laughs> and he makes a promise to another young um, uh, a girl from his village, and makes a promise then to the younger giraffe, and how one uh, keeps one's commitments. Um, that, um, um, yeah, just uh, I was going to say that's an element that comes up in another uh, one of the films. Also, the idea of commitment. Um, I don't know if you saw the film. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the word. It's Fidawai, I think, which means assassin. And um, the director who made that that film uh, also talked very much about how for a younger generation of filmmakers, the issue of one's commitments is very complicated because for the older generation of filmmakers um, they were very involved politically, uh, very engaged often even in the independence struggle and for a younger generation of filmmakers what they are committed to is um, is is something that they ha uh, he at least felt was harder to find um, and so going back to Zarafa the the cycle or the circle of the film comes back to that uh, the commitment of the young boy eventually is to keep telling the history and stories so that the next generation know the struggles of the generation before. And that need of keeping kind of African experience and African history um, alive is something that is shared, I think is very important to many, many of the filmmakers. That's so interesting because I I think that there is something about a political edge that that the films have almost as you know I don't know if we think about American film history and what the different themes are but it's not really based on politics maybe it's 
based on somehow creating the happy ending or uh, creating like certain characters that we fall in love with and idealize. But here it's really, there's something very different in terms of, uh, I guess, the roots of these films. Uh, and that idea of the griot is actually featured in many of the films where somebody is telling a story, even uh, whether it's from a very modern point of view or whether it's uh, in a more uh, film that's taken place in the past. It's true. There's another kind of griot, but very hip hop in um, Bernadette de Jassa. De Jassa is a, word, a, a slang word for slum or ghetto. Uh, and um, so there's a you know a, a sort of slam poetry telling of a tale that we also are seeing, and there's a little bit of a gap between you know the kind of creating the legend or creating the myth, and then the actual experience of the ki- characters. Uh, so um, that's a case of a more modern one. Uh, but um, I think what you were saying is very true of um, a lot of the films that there's a um, a political edge that comes from just the backdrop of um, the uh, struggle against um, colon- uh, to gain independence. Um, so many films um, have a backdrop, just uh, either the colonial period or post-colonialism, whether it's kind of trying to create an accurate history or trying to do a critique of the history. So you know, uh, a film like *Le President*, which actually goes very directly uh, critiques the Cameroonian president or other films that more try to present um, the ramifications really of of, uh, post-colonial era, just the everyday economic realities, um, which I agree isn't isn't something we see so much in in U.S. films, but I'd say the majority of films, even uh, though the younger generation is moving more towards maybe action films or exploring genre, the majority of them have this interest in exploring social and political reality. So let's stay with um, the president for a second, the film from Cameroon, because what what's striking about that film is that this is a film that when it was made was banned in Cameroon and it's filmed in a way where it's kind of like a documentary and kind of like a thriller and also the main character who's the president who is missing so there's a there's all this speculation that's happening so it's both like a political discussion around the dinner table a documentary a thriller all these things kind of mixed up together in a really kind of unusual mixture of uh, filmmaking that uh, I found both intriguing but also it was it was hard to know uh, who everyone was in terms of what their perspective was but it was fascinating to watch and it felt very fresh in terms of its structure. Yeah, the um, filmmaker um, Jean-Pierre Bacolo, he's really known for being very experimental. Um, we've shown other of his films over the years. He's even made a sci-fi vampire film to look also politically at um, issues in Cameroon. Um, but yeah, it is. It's a pretty wild film. Um, he um, never names the president directly. Um, it's sort of as it's called, lay president, a president that disappears. But he was very um, interested in um, 
kind of critiquing the government because the, the president of Cameroon has been um, uh, in power for over 30 years. And he, uh, which is a role his generation particularly took of critiquing, um, uh, uh, as I said before, post-colonialism. And here he's critiquing, when do you leave? When should someone who's governing allow other people to come in? So that uh, within the film, there's young people, like there's a rapper. Again, we have other kinds of griots, or the the young newsmen could even be seen that way. His, you know, he... he uh, t- they talk very personally about really their experience of Cameroon is the experience of having this president in power all that time. And what would it be to imagine or dream something else? You know? So, yeah, I think he's intervening very directly in, um, in issues in his country, the filmmaker's country. Yes, because it starts by saying, when I was born, he was president. You know, when I went to High school, he was president. When I went to college, he was president, and he's still president. So it goes from feeling like uh, there's this sort of paternal connection to this guy to this sense of, wait a minute, we are trapped here, and how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And all being said in a way uh, where it's not being said quite directly, but being said clearly. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um the the pre- eventually we see the president and there's people who talk directly to him especially the young rapper who I've heard is is very well known there and actually get to say to him what it is they would like him to hear which of course isn't their experience in every in their everyday reality it's experience that the film creates the ability to tell this president what what are the issues they're facing what would they like to say to power yeah well i guess in some ways then you're raising another issue in a lot of these african films where the focus on storytelling and developing a story within a story seems really is happening on many levels yeah i i think that is true um I think that um, that the older generation of filmmakers, and you know, always the the, the festival tour is a mix of well-known, established filmmakers and young, vibrant, new voices. So many of the older filmmakers, um, uh, as I mentioned, have an interest in kind of reclaim, had and have an interest in reclaiming. African um, tales and African um, culture pre-colonialism to show that how vibrant and important it was. But many of the younger generation, they're cinephiles. And so the some of the uh, double story they're telling is really just referring back to film, their film references. So, you know, it's interesting just for us who have been uh, here at PFA, we've been doing the tour since 2005. Actually, Cornelius um, um, Moore over at um, uh, California Newsreel first brought our attention to it because, of course, they have such a wonderful African collection. Um, so in those years of seeing the, the arc of different ways of structuring films, different approaches in this new generation that are just many of whom are real film lovers, so that uh, one of the films, uh, Nairobi Half-Life, the the young uh, main character, one of the first ways we see him is acting out some of his favorite films. 
That's great. We're talking to Kathy Garrett, who uh, is here from Pacific Film Archive in Berkeley. The African Film Festival starts January 25th uh, tomorrow and runs through February 26th. So there's a whole month full of really very interesting films. I want to go up to, back to the one, the Bernadette Jajasa that you had mentioned earlier, which is uh, a film from the Ivory Coast. And once again, it's like a very hip kind of uh, uh, ghetto uh, kind of film, like what happens in the ghetto and what are the rules. And uh, there also is this griot. And sometimes the griot is telling us, setting the stage. Other times he's telling us what happened and then we watch it happen but with more details and other times he's just sort of going more on a riff about who this character that's being created is and it creates a really interesting dynamic tension like at first you know you think well who's this guy he's just sort of a boastful fellow telling us the story but then we start having to rely on him more to try to understand what's happening and so how I experience him through the course of the film changes dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, he's he's sort of all in the know, um, but he also has uh, tons of like attitude. Um, and the film itself uh, also has a kind of raw energy which he adds a lot to. But yeah, I think that um, he's. I think I alluded to this a little bit earlier. He's a little bit of an unreliable narrator because he's also very into the sort of urban legend, really street life and uh, what it is to have like creed and um, power on the street. So he's also uh, twisting the story of Tony to really make it a street story. Um, but that gap that you're talking about, I think, makes it uh, is partially what makes the film structure uh, uh, so interesting, because um, uh, sometimes uh, what what we see of of, of Tony and his rise and fall is is more emotional and more personal than he can than the uh, the narrator, the hip hop uh, poet can can communicate because that doesn't fit the street culture. So we, we there's you know uh, it's it's a story about uh, two brothers and a sister and they live in the ghetto and they they they're trying to survive economically and eventually choices that are sort of on the underside of uh, illegal choices draw them in for quicker money, two of them in. And so sort of the ramifications of those kind of choices. Um, but but we do we see you know uh, moments that where Tony is is isn't happy with the choices he made or it has a little bit of conflict whereas uh, with is particularly with his sister whereas in in when he's with the the ghetto culture he's he's very you know really tough and actually makes some really poor choices. Yes, and this film seems like it really relies on uh, talking about film history more like French film or more on uh, sort of African-American film structure than it does on some of the other African films that we see in this festival. You know, uh, it's interesting that you say that about the African-American um, culture because I think that is true of a, a number of works. There's uh, some similar concerns about what it is to kind of live in um, a, a economically deprived um, situations 
situations, to have a culture of of kind of gangs or groups of people and how you interact and how you how you move up and down that um, hierarchy within these gangs. Um, he's a first-time director. Um, he made the film in just uh, little, under two weeks with a bunch of friends, many of whom uh, were part of that uh uh, culture. They're li- they're playing parts that are very much true to their own experience, and I think that really adds to that sort of raw energy that um, the film has. Also, the way it's filmed, there's a lot of it's very close in a lot, and um, that adds to a sense of the claustrophobia of their choices, um, the, what's open for, what are the possibilities for them. So, you know, it's, I feel it's real evident that the director is, as he calls himself, a child of the ghetto. He, he has an, an internal sense of what it is like to have a sort of limited range of choices and yet be trying to have yourself, the character Tony wants to be remembered, to want to make a name for yourself. Yes. Uh, is, I guess so far we've been talking about films that really feature men characters, and I'm thinking about a film that I had actually heard about uh, from people who had seen it in New York, Mother George, uh, which is a film uh, about really the tale of a Nigerian woman who lives um, in the boroughs of New York and uh, is brought there, gets married, and then really wants a Yoruba kind of life and is confronted both by tradition and her values and at the same time how to negotiate uh being part of one culture and then in some ways being part of new york and not and then having a best friend who is really um who has really changed how she sees herself and isn't quite as traditional so it's a really interesting film also i think a first film uh, I think he started the film first, but he finished Restless City beforehand. Um, so yeah, the um, the film is just just to say off the top, it's gorgeous. It's just a really beautiful film. Um, uh, the way the cinematography is really interesting. The way it uses the wide screen and um, particular aspects of the frame being in focus and not. Um, but the the story, as you said, of really finding uh, an immigrant community in New York. Like, you know, the director said, you go a few more blocks and you're in an Indian community. You go a few blocks, you're in another community. But there was a Yoruba um, Nigerian community. Um, it's filmed largely in um, Crown Heights, I think. Um, and uh, the tale is told... Um, very much around another um, common uh, exploration of African films, which is tradition versus modernity. But usually it's set in Africa. And here is those issues arising, as you said, the uh, woman immigrated to the U.S. from Nigeria. So it's an immigrant's experience of of, um, of how, how to make choices against that backdrop as her mother-in-law very much uh, represents tradition and she's struggling to figure out where where how does she make a life with um, her husband between um, their own choices which aren't necessarily the traditional choices um, but also being part of a very strong community uh, that's sort of 
calling them to another way of being. You know, how to, uh, on one hand the mother, and then on the other, the example of friends who are living in a the friend you mentioned are living in a more modern way. And it's there's something also about loyalty. Uh, who are you, who do you stay loyal to? Is it to the traditions, uh, or like let's say that w- your new sense of who you are is that you need to be honest with your husband, or do you need to protect certain values and how you know however that gets negotiated? And the film really raises those questions in a lot of different ways that just inherently people are different than they were, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Um, and the, I think there's a number of, of, of films within the series that deal in interesting ways with that. In this particular film, it's set in the U.S., but there's a couple of shorts, um, and even the film um, Tay or Tomorrow, in which... Um, uh, uh, Filmmakers who were born outside of Africa go back to Africa to deal with their experience. So that negotiating of identity, very complex identity, in some cases, in, in such as the ones I'm just mentioning, they're almost seeking out more, something that's more traditional. And in the film Mother of George, it's, um, as you said, a kind of identity that is more personal unless uh, the community isn't as calling as strongly on tradition but a more individualistic or interior way of of dealing with um what what would have been decided in the name of a community now being decided in the name of the couple or the individual i'm glad that you mentioned tay because that was a film that was so hard to wrap my mind around uh in that it tells the story that uh, somebody knows, well, everybody in the community knows when it's somebody's last day, and it's this person's last day. <laughs> and so everybody, know, some just inherently know in advance that at the end of the day, he's going to be dying in his sleep. And there's, it's like such a brilliant idea for a story. And that the main character is actually an American actor, which adds this whole other... Uh, uh, like subtext that's fascinating to it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's like the stranger in a strange land in a certain way. He's go he's um, in, within even the narrative. He's been in the U.S. and is returning back, and so is is no longer as familiar with what um, the, the area he lived in and the people are like. And so in that way, he's the stranger. Um, but uh, it's an amazing film, very mysterious, very dreamlike, um, a wonderful sense of community. But behind it all, this um, this riddle of what does it mean to know what one never knows, that one is going to die. And, and um, it becomes like a procession or a journey in one day to visit kind of his life and come to some kind of terms with it. Um, it's in that way it's existential, but it's also uh, it feels a lot like uh, many other um, African films that do deal with myths and fables. But this isn't necessarily a traditional one. You know, when I was mentioning before going back to some of the original fables and um, and myths, this in Tay it's like creating a mo- a modern one to to look at. Um, 
Well, in many ways it does. It looks at, you know, what is community, what binds people together, what uh, what was important to him. And also what not to be afraid of, which is very different than, uh, you know, usually death is something that people wind up saying one thing but having to move away. And mm-hmm. here everyone is kind of moving into it because it's just part of nature. Yeah, even at the beginning, I can't remember exactly, but the father says something. The mother's very upset, and the father's like, well, this, this is what is happening to him. It's like, we just have to accept that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is such a, such a range of films, and uh, they're talking about many different kinds of things. Uh, how do you decide what order you're going to show them in <laughs> because you know i the ones that i watch were completely random but is there some sense that it's kind of building up in a certain way to something or does it feel like it's a meandering around different issues or how do you think about it in terms of programming it in terms of where it starts and where it goes well in this often the there is a very tight order series we have at the pfa but in this particular case like something like uh zarafa we wanted it on the weekend so the families could go uh, there's a number of films that are documentaries um, we wanted to have it on uh, the evening we're doing a documentary series so I think it is more of a, a meander um, through you know these different voices different approaches than um, than a particular um, order that we wanted people to see them in so if you want more information of this festival, you can go to the website, which is uh, bampfa.edu, and uh, you can call 510-642-1412 for more information. Uh, PFA is located at the corner of Bancroft and Bowditch in Berkeley. Um, so, Kathy Garretts, I want to thank you so much for joining me today to talk about this really great film series. Oh, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. So my name is Raina Cowan. This has been another edition of uh, Open Book Covers, like I like to say, frame to frame. And I will be back next month with some more interesting ideas about film and culture. Thanks for listening. Inviting you to join Baby D.